Welcome to the Soda Baptist Church podcast. This message is part of the teaching ministry of Soda Baptist Church in Livingston, Texas. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged to grow closer in your walk with Christ through this message. We invite you to check out our website at www.sodabaptist.org for more information about our church. Start, we're going to look in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 25. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 25. I want us to know this morning that yes, Jesus is the real deal. Alright, we, we need to understand that. I mean, we hear people talk about Jesus all the time. Hey, especially in the environment we live in, it's Jesus this and it's Jesus that. If we're Christians, the word Jesus is used a whole lot and just... You know, if somebody's got having a problem, just take it to Jesus. And, and it's gotten to where sometimes that when we say that, it just flows right off of our tongue like it's just, like it's just a part of life. But I want us to see this morning, Jesus is the real deal. Amen. Jesus is the real deal. Listen, He is not just some little child that was born in a manger 2,000 years ago. It is not just a story about a, a Savior that died on a cross. Let me tell you, it is so much more than any of that. I don't think that we're ever going to be able to comprehend all that Jesus Christ is to us. Now, is He our Savior? If you're here this morning and you've accepted Him as your personal Savior, I want you to know He is your Savior. But I want you to know He is so much more than just our Savior. He is so much more. Jesus is the real deal. Now I'm just, I'm going to start off with just one verse here in Daniel. I'm going to just ignore the other 366 prophecies in the Old Testament that tell us about Jesus. Listen, the 366 other prophecies about Jesus, and when Jesus came, He fulfilled every single one of Him. Just that statement right there is enough for someone to sit here and go, man, if that is true, how can we not believe in Jesus? 366 prophecies that some of them were were prophesied 1,500 years before Jesus ever came to this earth, and every single one of them came true. Someone who denies the existence of Jesus... is simply misinformed. I, I, I mean, they, they, well, the Scripture tells us, I was trying to think of what, what caused them to not believe. The Scripture tells us that the, the prince of this world, or the God of this world, which is Satan, has blinded them so they can't believe. That, that's what it is, okay? I, I don't believe it's that they do not want to believe in Jesus. They have been blinded. Just, just the fact that Jesus done all these things. And... And I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm excited about November the 6th. We've got a Messianic Jew that is going to come and speak to us on November the 6th. A Messianic Jew is this. The Jewish people today who practice Judaism do not believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that He came and He died on the cross. All of these Old Testament scriptures that prophesied that Jesus was coming or that the Messiah was coming, 
They say Jesus did not do that. He was, he was not the one that they were looking for. Even though Jesus fulfilled all of the things that they were looking for, they still deny that today. So what I want to do is I want to read one scripture, one scripture in here, and this one scripture says this. Now, it's going to be kind of in a language that maybe you're not going to understand because it speaks about weeks and how many weeks and all this. We're going to skip all of what that meaning, and, and I'm going to let you know. It says, Daniel prophesied and said, listen, the Messiah you're looking for is coming this day. All you got to do is look for him this day. That's the day he's going to ride into Jerusalem. And that's what that scripture says. And I want you to know, Jesus is the real deal. If you're looking for life in any other place, you're looking in the wrong place. Because Jesus is the deal. All right. Look with me in Daniel chapter 9 and verse number 25. And again... I'm going, to, I'm going to explain this kind of simply, okay? But I, I'm not going to, we're not going to go into any of this detail. In verse 25 it says, Know therefore and understand that from going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah. Okay, listen to this. This is what Daniel's saying. They're living in Babylon right now. The Babylonians have gone to Jerusalem and they've knocked down the temple, they've destroyed the city, they've destroyed the walls. And he says, listen, from the day that it is announced that you to go back and rebuild the temple or rebuild the city, he says, from that, that day of the announcement unto the Messiah, the Prince. Who is Messiah, the Prince? Jesus. Okay. Oh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. In that scripture, he says, until from the day that they announced that this is going to happen, that you're going to rebuild the city, and Cyrus, the king of Persia, announced it. He says, y'all go back and rebuild the city. From that day, you know what? It's kind of, it's unique. It's unique that from when Cyrus announced that, in the scripture, it even gives us the month and the day that he announced it. He said, from the time this announcement's, until the Messiah, the Prince, shows up in Jerusalem, will be. Now listen to this. Now this is where, this is where the complicated part is, and I'm not going to go into detail about it. Shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks, or three score and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troubled times. Okay, now this is, this is what this says. That's the total of 69 weeks. And again, if you want to go back and study that, I'll be glad to sit down with you. But basically it's saying it's going to be a period of 683 years. No, 483 years. Okay? So if you want to do that study, you can, but that's what it's equivalent to. 483 years. And after three score and two weeks... Shall Messiah be cut off, but not for him uh, and the people of the prince that shall come? Anyway, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. So let me let me tell you what that scripture just said. From the day this announcement takes place until the day that the Messiah Jesus Christ comes is going to be four hundred and eighty-three years, and then it says, and the Messiah will be cut off, talking about his death on the cross. Now, 
I, I know the language that it just used there sounds kind of confusing, doesn't it? Now, when you go and do that study, listen, this was not a hard study for the Jews to understand. They understood that language. But they should have been standing there at Jerusalem with their arms crossed and saying, Okay, the Bible also tells in Zechariah that the, the Prince of Peace is going to come in on a donkey, a white donkey. All right, this is, this is the day. This is the calendar day. He, anybody, anybody see that white Y'all see him coming? He should be here any minute. But were the Jews looking for him? They didn't understand the scripture or they were blinded to it or they didn't want to see it or something. But I want, listen, all I want you to understand this morning is that in Daniel it tells us Jesus is the real deal. That's what it tells us. All right? You can deny him this morning. You can refute him this morning. But I'm telling you, this book, the Bible, God's word says Jesus is the real deal. All right, now let's look over in John chapter 1. Flipping your Bibles. John chapter 1. And we're going to... And you know what? Some of you may have your Bibles marked. My Bible, this first part of John chapter 1, is all marked up in my Bible. I must have preached this here before. I, I, but I'm telling you, this is hard scripture to get away from when you're talking about Jesus being the real deal. So let's look at the first part of John chapter 1, and we're going to, kind of, we're going to start reading through it, and we're going to stop and explain a couple of things, and... And we're going to read through verse number 18. But look what it says here in the beginning of John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Somebody tell me who the Word is. Jesus. So we can go back. In the beginning was, Je was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Now let's keep going. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him... Was not anything made that was made. And it just automatically, when I read that scripture, I have to go back to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, where it says, For by him, again, Jesus, were all things created that were in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers or things created by him and for him. I, I, that's a verse in your Bible that you should have highlighted, you have, should have it circled, you should have it underlined. Because if anybody asks you today, well, I don't understand why God put me in this world. That scripture right there says everything was created for Him and by Him. You're here because Jesus Christ wanted you here. You're here for Him. And then it goes on to say in that next verse, And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist or Everything is held together. There's not a single event that takes place in your life today that God or Jesus Christ is not fully aware of. He is aware of every single thing that takes place. Now, I want you to know He doesn't always approve of everything that takes place, but He is completely and totally aware of everything that takes place. Okay, let's pick up in verse number 4. John chapter 1 and verse number 4. Oh, <laughs> I try to get all my crying out before, before I preach. I sit here in my office this morning was rereading this and rereading this every time I read it. I couldn't stop crying. It says right there in verse number 4, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined into darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Do you understand? Do, do you? Do we understand this morning that the only way to have life is in Jesus? Let me tell you, we can exist. Many, many people in this world have existed, but only people who have Jesus have life. Only people who have Jesus have life. That's what it boils down to. And then he tells us there, he says, there was a man, this is verse 6 again, there was a man who was sent from God whose name was John. Now this is John the Baptist. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men, that is the ones prior to Jesus Christ, that is the ones after Jesus Christ, that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, talking about John the Baptist, but was sent to bear witness of that light. You look in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, and it tells us that there will become one crying in the wilderness, spreading the, the word that the Lord was coming. In verse 9 it says, now listen to this, that was the true light. Who is the light? Jesus, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. I cannot explain that scripture to you. The scripture right there says that Jesus, He didn't come until 4,000 years after the foundations of the world were laid where Adam and Eve spent time in the garden. Then it says that He lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus didn't come for 4,000 years afterwards, but the Bible tells us that He, the light of Jesus Christ, shined light backwards and forwards to every single man that lives on this earth. That light has shined upon us all. I can't explain all that. I understand it because it's in the Scripture that it's true. I, I, just, I, I, I have a hard time explaining it to someone who asked me. Verse number 10. It says that He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. Jesus came, the very Creator of all things, and the world did not know Him. He came unto His own, the Jewish people. And his own received him not, but as many as received him. I love this verse. But as, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. What name under heaven by, whereby men, every man must be saved? What name is that? Jesus. Every name, every person that is saved is going to call upon the name of Jesus. Does it say calling upon the name of God? No, there's, I'm telling you, there's many people who call upon God today, but without knowing who Jesus is, life only comes through the Son, and that's Jesus. All right, verse number 13. <sighs> that believe on His name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's where we know that Scripture says we must be born again. And the Word was made flesh. Jesus was made flesh. He dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. I'm getting to a place here, okay? John bore witness of Him, and he, and he cried, saying, This was He of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, 
for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. Listen to this right here. Verse 17. For the law was given by Moses. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Man, if you'd have been here Wednesday night, we talked about that. The covenant of Moses. The covenant of Moses said that if you will do what God tells you to do, if you will follow after God, I will bless you. If you do not follow after God, I will curse you or I will not bless you because that was the covenant of Moses. He says, I didn't bring the covenant of Moses. I brought the covenant of grace and truth. In other words, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, our sins were forgiven. We don't live under that old law if you do this and do that. We don't live under the law. We live under grace and truth comes by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. All right, everybody take a deep breath. Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is the real deal. I'm telling you, I just can't say it enough. I wish I could convince the world that Jesus is the real deal. I'm, I'm afraid Satan is doing a good job blinding people to this fact. They just, uh, I just can't say enough about what Jesus has done for us. Now, I, I, want, you to, I, want, to, I want to tell you where I was going to go with this sermon this morning. This was, this was the outline that I was going to make. I was going to outline that Jesus is the real deal. And not only did he fulfill all these prophecies... But watch what he done in the New Testament. The New Testament, the Gospels record 37 miracles of Jesus. Okay, I mean just outright miracles that he performed, which the end of the book of John tells us that if, if all the things that Jesus done were recorded, the books, of the, the world couldn't even contain the books. Okay, but it records 37. Well, I was going to get up here this morning and I was going to give you some of the examples of the miracles. Hey, no one could have done this except... The man that created this. The God that created this. I mean, I was going to go over how Jesus overcome nature. Man, he stopped the waves. He stopped the sea. He stopped the wind. Man, nobody but God can do that. I was going to go over how he would, he would take a dead man and raise him back to life. Nobody but God can do that. A lame man that's been lame all his life and raised him. A blind man that has never saw him. I was going to go through all of that. <laughs> and you know where I got stuck? I got stuck on the very first miracle. And I was just blown away. So look with me in John chapter 2. <laughs> when we examine the Scripture and see what Jesus says here, listen, I hope that I'm not going to speak over anyone's head. I'm going to try my best to explain everything I say here. But you're going to see you're going to see right here in this very first miracle that Jesus is saying, Hey, everybody, I'm the real deal. All right? So look what it says right here. Now, all this is is Jesus goes to a wedding and he turns water into wine. Probably everyone in here has probably heard that miracle. But I want us to look a little deeper here. It says, In the third day there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. 
doesn't tell us, maybe this is a friend of the family, but Jesus and his disciples and his mother were there. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Now, you have to understand the culture there. They didn't have like we do. They don't have, let's come in here, and it takes about 20 minutes for us to do a wedding ceremony. Then we have a reception, and they go on the honeymoon. That's not the way they done it the Jewish day. A wedding took about seven days. It, they had a wedding feast. That's what they had. At the end of the feast, okay, on the seventh day or however many days, five or six days, at the end of that feast is when the bride and the groom, they left and they went and consummated the marriage. All right? Explain to your children, if you would like to, what the word consummate means, because I'm not. But that was when they were officially wed, was that last day. But now listen, the four, five, six, seven days that led up to it was very important. All right? Notice, it's the third day, and they've run out of wine. Must have been a lot of people at that wedding. They run out of wine. This is a big deal. Mary, Mary, maybe this, this family was close to Mary. I don't, know, I don't know why she went to Jesus and said, Jesus, man, I hate, my, I hate this family to be embarrassed because this is going to reflect poorly on this family if they were not able to provide for this whole feast for their daughter or son to be married, whatever the situation, Jesus is asked to do something because they ran out of wine. So this is the situation that Jesus is faced with. Notice Jesus' answer. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. Him addressing his mother as woman was not disrespectful. That was a custom thing, so don't think anything of that. But the fact that he says, my hour is not yet come, somebody tell me what he was telling us there. I, hey, listen, I had not got started. It's not yet. I have not come. Today is not the day that I'm to be crucified. Today is not the day to fulfill all the prophecy. My hour has not yet come. As a matter of fact, in the book of John, you will read that statement about four or five different times when Jesus goes and He makes an announcement in Jerusalem while He's at the temple and the people come to kill Him because they say He's blaspheming God. And it said, And He slipped out of the crowd and they didn't notice where He went because His time had not yet come. Okay? Happens several, several times in the Scripture. Jesus tells His mother, Listen, Mom, it's not yet time for me to fulfill the ministry. Notice then what he says. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Huh. Now, Chad, I told you I wasn't going to venture off on this this morning. I done preach it so Chad can leave. I've done preaching to him. So, now we're all human, right? Here's this girl, this young girl, she shows up and, and she tells her mom and daddy, said, well, mom and daddy, I, I'm a virgin, but I'm pregnant. Do what, honey? And it gets out in the community that Mary's going to have a baby, but she says she's never been with a man. Yeah, right. Many people didn't believe that. Now, listen...
I'm not saying this. It's what Mary said. Hey, y'all listen to my son because he's fixing to do something that's going to blow you away. And that's going to prove to you that I was a virgin. He's fixing to do something so miraculous that no one else, you've never seen anyone else do. And you're going to realize then when I was telling you I was a virgin, when I had this, this boy named Jesus Christ, you're going to believe then. You want to know when everybody believed that Jesus or that Mary was a virgin? When Jesus died on the cross? No, he died like any other man. But let me tell you, when Jesus rose from the grave, everybody looked back at his mama and said, You know what? I believe she was a virgin because no man has ever done what Jesus Christ has done. Mary understood. Mary understood that there was nothing outside of this that Jesus could not do. He says, listen, guys, you listen to whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Now the miracle happens right here. And there were set there six water pots of stone. There were sitting there six water pots of stone. Now you get this in your mind here. Here are six water pots. They all contain between 20 and 30 gallons. There's six of them. You do the math. Six times, say, 25 gallons a piece. That's about 150 gallons. These are water pots of stone. Similar to the hearts of all of mankind. Israel had a heart of stone. Mankind has a heart of stone. And unless the Holy Spirit convicts our heart of salvation, we, just like those water pots... Listen to this, though. Listen to this. These six water pots are empty. Now, this is why I'm saying we're going to dig a little deeper here. I hope we realize what these six water pots are this morning. Because listen to what the scripture says these water pots are. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two to three furlong of firkins apiece. A firkin is about nine gallons, so between two between about eighteen and twenty-eight gallons is each one of these. What was stored in these water pots were the water to purify the Jews. Okay? For the sake of time, if you look up there, Numbers chapter 31, verses 22 through 24, that is talking about what they were to do with this water. To purify the Jews in order to make them where they could serve, okay? They had to be purified. They would take this water before they ate, they would wash their hands, they would pour water on both hands. That was to purify them. Before they were able to come to the wedding feast, they had to wash their clothes. Here's some more water. Here, let's pour this out. Listen, all this was having to do with the law. Every bit of this had to do with the law. They've got a whole lot of people at this wedding feast. Now, over the first three days, these six water pots that were used to purify those Jewish in the customs of the law were now empty. Are y'all hearing me? Let me just blurt it out real quick. What Jesus is about to say through this miracle that He is going to perform, He is saying, listen, the law of Moses is over. These pots are empty. I am fixing to fill these pots with new wine. 
And when Jesus at the Last Supper, He said, This wine is the, the blood of my covenant, the new covenant. He says, I am fixing to show you in the very first miracle that I perform that I am showing you here is the end of the law and the beginning of grace. Oh, I, I hope you see that this morning. Because I'm telling you, what Jesus is saying on this day, Jesus is saying, listen guys, I'm the real deal. I'm the real deal. What I am doing and what I am trying my best to show you and for all of eternity, I am trying to show you that I am the real deal. Look what he says in verse number 7. Jesus saying to, to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saying to them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bore it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he knew not whence it was. In other words, this governor of the feast, he didn't know where that, water, that, that wine came from, but this is what he said. He said, But to the servants which drew the water, the water they knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then, they which, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. Listen, this is... The wine that they served for the first three days, hey, it, it was what they had. When God established a covenant with Moses... It was what they had. But this is what Jesus is saying right here. In this, in this miracle, He's saying, listen, I want you to know the law set up a time so that we could recognize that we are all sinners. But I want you to know the best wine has been saved for last. The blood of my life is given for a brand new covenant for you. And it's called grace and truth. Now, did I just blow over everybody's head? Because I, I want us to realize that there was not a single idle word that Jesus said. Every word that was spoken, every word that was written had purpose and meaning. And when we look into the Scriptures, we see that. Now, this is going to be free too, okay? Verse 11, it says this. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Canaan of Galilee and manifested forth His glory and His disciples believed on Him. Listen, the only reason that I'm saying this, there is a lot of false teaching out there today. Y'all believe that? There's, there was a movie that came out not long ago, and I think it was called The Son of God or something like that. It showed Jesus as a little boy making clay pigeons with other little boys, and then Jesus' little clay pigeon would just fly away. Anybody, anybody, anybody go see that movie? Nobody? <laughs> Did, do, do, you know where, do you know where that incident came out of? It came out of the Koran. You read the Koran, you're going to find that it talks about Jesus and that Jesus as a little boy made a little pigeon 
and it flew away. He made it out of clay and it flew away. But do you know what the Word of God says? The Word of God says that this was the beginning of His miracles. So did Jesus begin His miracles when He was a little boy or did Jesus begin His miracles when He reached the age of 30 and He began the ministry after He was back? Jesus began His ministry right here. Listen, don't believe that false stuff. Get in the Word of God and dig in and see what it says. I've got a couple of more scriptures that I just want to read. And, and, and Listen, I, I want you to remember this when you walk out of here. Okay? All of this teaching that I'm doing, this, all this scripture, when you walk out of here and somebody says, well, what did Brother Wayne preach on this Sunday? Jesus is the real deal. That's what I want you to remember. Jesus is the real deal. All right? Because I've got all of these scriptures that all tie this one miracle together. And the next miracle, the, the next scripture is in Mark chapter 2 and verse 22. And, and listen, maybe this is, this is something that you've heard before and never understood it. But in Mark chapter 2 and verse 22, it says this. Oh, that's not chapter 2. I don't have my cheat sheet. My printer broke. I have to look them up. <laughs> and, and you might have heard this before. But it says, And no man putteth new wine in old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred, but new wine must be put in new bottles. Uh, Brother Wayne, I didn't make the connection there. I understand that you were talking about wine, water turned into wine, and now this is talking about wine, new bottle. You want me to tell you what this is? What he is saying right here, he's saying, look, he said, I told you these bottles were empty. These wine, or this, these purification uh, uh, pots, I couldn't think of the word. These purification pots, they're empty. The law, the system of the law is over. Okay? You don't take new wine and put it in old bottles. In other words, we don't mix. Let me see if you understand this. We don't mix today the gospel of Jesus Christ and what He done on the cross and mix it with the law and mix them together. He says, I can't put this new wine, grace, in law. They don't mix. Book of Galatians says that over and over and over when Paul is talking to him. You don't put the new grace that you're saved by grace through faith and mix it with uh, you're not supposed to eat catfish and you're not supposed to uh, do this or you're not supposed to do that. You don't mix them together. And that's what he's saying here. I'm telling you, Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is the real deal. Matthew 11, and I'll just, I'll just say what it says. In Matthew 11, first, first five verses, John the Baptist is in prison. And he sends his disciples to Jesus. And he sends his disciples to Jesus and he said, Listen, our master, John the Baptist, has sent us. And he said, this is the question he wants to ask. <laughs> now, you have to understand, this is me paraphrasing. John wants to know, is Jesus? He says, Jesus, are you the real deal or should we be looking for somebody else? And Jesus tells his disciples, he says, look, 
You go back and you tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. The dead are being raised, the blind are being able to see, the gospel is being preached to the poor. He says, you go step back and you tell him what you saw. You can continue to examine life all you want to on this earth. You're going to find Jesus is the only real deal that this world offers. Man, I'm, I'm asking you today, cash in. Give your all to Jesus. If you're looking for something else, if you're looking for it in pleasures, if you're looking for it in finances, if you're looking for it in relationships, if you're looking for it in family, I'm telling you, you're not going to find the real deal there. Does those things bring pleasure? Absolutely. But they wind up just exactly what they are, temporary. Jesus is the real deal, and it's everlasting. Let's stand together. Father, thank you so much. For your son Jesus. I feel like I've done a poor job this morning explaining this first miracle that you performed. But God, I'm asking that the assistance of your Holy Spirit just come in and make everything crystal clear. And that your son Jesus has done it all. There's nothing else left to do. God, when you said on the cross that it is finished, you've done it all. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness of sin. God, it's all through Jesus. Jesus is the answer. God, help us see that this morning. Let us leave today knowing that Jesus is the real deal. Lord, we want to just give you this time of decision-making right now. Pray that you'll be honored and glorified from it in Jesus' name. Amen.